Hey, good evening. It's Traps with Oscar Mike Radio live again in parts unknown, well, Boston, Massachusetts. And I am pleased, I'm grateful, I'm humbled to be joined by a woman who is truly Oscar Mike. Danielle Rocco. Rocco? Rocco. Rocco is live and nationwide. You're doing everything. Everything. And I could spend 10 hours just talking about certain aspects of your life, but for this podcast, people were talking about her advocacy as a transformation coach, marine mom, author, and documentarist. Danielle, welcome to Oscar Mike Radio. Thank you so much for having me in our secret location that I will never tell anybody. <laughs> it, it is so great. And, and the reason we're talking now is Andrew Farr from the Reverend Warriors Nashville said, you got to check this woman out. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I start looking into what you do and what can't you do? <laughs> You've run businesses, you're a, a mom, you have you know, started another business. It's, it's like a pattern of reinvention. And now you've taken this thing to a whole new level where you want to advocate for veterans. So what's that been like? What's that journey been like? Because it's not a cut, died in the wool journey. No, no. And you know, it started as a child, really, when I um, joined my first ballet company at the age of five. And that really started, I think, it's embedded in you when you have like, you're different, when you just, you see something and you go for, go for it. So I think that's like a genetic makeup of mine that has just manifested through the years. And when I had my son, Jacob, I was 16. Oh, and wow. that really changed the projection of my life. I became a mom, I was on my own at that time. Um, I ended up marrying his father and it snowballed where I, at that point I said, I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want to go on welfare um, and have him grow up like that. So I had to work my butt off um, and kind of redefine what, who am I and what am I good at? Right. And use those skills. Cause I just did, I wanted to be an example for him. So my brother was like, he saved your life. Kids have a way of doing that. They Kids do. have a way of doing that. And now that you were a mother, your son joined the Marine Corps. Yes. And I just talk a little bit about that because I thought about it as we you know, got ready to meet today. I don't think I've ever really asked. I know my mom's proud of me, mm -hmm. but I never really asked her what it was like when I said, you know, hey, mom, I'm here. I'm there. I saw a rattlesnake today. You know, everything's okay. Right and just went about my thing. I never really got that from her. So what was that like for you as a mom? Well, you do. I was so proud of him. I knew he was going in, like all through high school, he was in the um, ROTC, and then he started training with the recruiters when he, when he was allowed to. So I knew it was happening, um, and I was, I was so proud. And then he went, and I was so sad. Not sad um, because I didn't want him to do it, and not sad for myself, but sad because I couldn't control what was going on anymore. Oh. <laughs> I had no idea when they tell you, you're going to get a call whenever that one call and he's just going to repeat what he says, you know, and it came at three o'clock. I don't think I slept that whole night because I didn't know when it was going to come. And I was just like, I love you so much. Oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you. And then, you know, they can't, you guys can't respond at all. Um, and I cried a lot. Again, not because I wanted him to come home. 
but I just didn't know what my baby was going through. Oh, wow. Well, yes, that uh, was, a, was a common thing. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. And the fact that, you know, she, she wasn't around to see all that, and, and it was a lot of uncertainty. So you're seeing your son go through his Marine Corps career. Did he serve for... You know, eight, 12 years, or did he do a four-year hitch? What was? The, what do you know about his service? Um, so there's a couple I want to tell you that I joined to help me. I joined the moms, a moms group. So as you say, you have your brothers and sisters that you serve. I still have those women that oh, we really? meet twice a year. Um, one of our sons passed, so we went to the memorial. That was really hard to watch. One of our mother sisters kind of go through that. It's like losing your own. Um, that bond is son. there. Yeah, yeah. So as moms, we still have that, especially now with the internet and groups like that. I think it's very strong. Um, but he was going to go for his whole life. That was his career. That is what he wanted to do. And his body just couldn't keep up. His, you know, his discs started collapsing in his back. He started losing his, um, he had to get glasses. He lost some of his hearing. So he couldn't re-enlist. So he was in for almost five years. And that was devastating for him. He, th he would tell me multiple times while he was going through the getting out process, you know, um, I know I'm not using the terminology correctly and I apologize. No, it's fine, it's fine. I'm using the mother terminology. Exactly, that's what, that's what um, the focus is. He felt like he was a failure. He would tell me, I failed. I failed, I, I can't do this, I'm, I'm, my body won't let me do it and I have to get out. And he was very angry and very, um, he was very angry, very angry. So at that moment in time, you're seeing him, and, and I have to, I don't want to assume, but was he infantry? He was infantry, and he loved yeah. it. He loved it. And he didn't talk about many of his deployments and his service, wow. really. No, I learned that you don't do that. Yeah, no. <laughs> but you watch him go away, and you watch him come back. Yes. What was it like seeing him after he got out? What was it like being reacquainted with the man he had become? You know, every time he would go through something, he was different. Like every when he came out of boot camp, he was totally different. When I would go, you know, go to see him and put him off on his first deployment, you know, he was one man. And when I would receive him back, he didn't have a girlfriend or anything, so I would make sure I was going to be there, hell or high water, I would be there. Um, he was a totally different um, man. And then uh, when he came home, he was very. And he still is to this day. He doesn't talk much, and when he does talk, you better be there to listen because he's gonna like verbal vomit on you. <laughs> that's what it's. That's what it's like. But um, he's really lonely. He's really, really, really lonely and really um, sad. So those moments that he does talk, he's reaching out as a family. We, he comes from a big family, so it's not like he doesn't have family. Um, but it's not the same family. No, no, That's no. something that I learned. It's, it's a family that will never be for him. And it kind of breaks my heart because there's nothing I can do as a mom. There, like, just like there was nothing I could do for him in boot camp. There was nothing I could do when he was deployed and when he was serving. Um, you just have to watch and you just watch and be there when he needs it. So do you think the military has some responsibility to make this transition process easier for for people because I would say that loneliness is a common thing in, in the circles I run in. You know, I don't know if there really is anything. You you know, he went through the classes and he told me about them and I've talked to so many and they go through it. What I found is that 
when they come out, they don't realize what those classes are talking about is them. Right. They, so I'm not sure you can prepare them for that because that community, that bond, you can't replace it. You can't mimic that in the civilian world. I find, I find it's, it's impossible to. Um, so I'm not sure that the, I'm not sure there really is anything. I think as civilians or as family members or as community or as other veterans, that's how we can help on the other side. We can be more, we cannot like, um, not want to talk about it because we don't understand, so we ignore them. Right. We don't, we change the subject sure. when they start, because some of the things I've heard from veterans through this journey that I've taken on, most people don't want to hear. It's ugly. Not really, no. And yeah. So what was the catalyst? What, what was the moment in time that as a mother, you said, you know what, forget this. I don't care what's going to happen. I see my son hurting. I want to do something. What was around that time? So our, our whole entire family life changed. I ran a business with my brother, a family business, for 23 years. And our father started losing his mind a little bit. And he let us go very violently, like very abrupt. And that was all my children and my son knew was this, this community that we had built. And now it was ripped from us. So I started, um, at that time he was got out. And he actually got out after that. And um, I started using my relationship coaching with CEOs. It was very unfulfilling. And so when I started um, seeing him being so lonely and my heart aching and really not being fulfilled, the money was great coaching CEOs, but it doesn't fulfill you. And there's, you gotta be happy in your life. You, sure. You've gotta be able to like wake up and be like, I'm proud of what I do. Um, a good friend of mine said, well, Danielle, what, where's your heart always been? And I said, well, it's, it's, uh, it's our military. I can sit here today because of them. I watched what my son went through and he's just like a microscopic of what, you know, you guys go through. I said, so I totally within a moment changed my perception. I wrote a book. I started doing this documentary and bringing full force into that in the hopes secretly that it maybe my son will see it. Maybe my son will get a new community. And if I can't help him, maybe I can help one other person. Sure. So doing the book and documentary is a journey of itself. What have what's been some of the journey like for you? Because you know, writing and videography and creating this and telling your story and giving yourself is is a very hard, arduous process. It's been so fun, actually. Really? Yes, and yeah, it's a lot of work and a lot okay. of yeah. So there, there's that. Like you put in a lot of hours for a little for little return per se. But what you spiritually get is so much uh, more amazing. What I found was that community that my son was so lacking. I'm creating organically on the other side as the mom. So now I have like a Vietnam vet who's part of our family now, and he's out in Washington oh, wow. State. Um, so I'm starting to see life and life within my son kind of trickle in. Life within all these people, whether it's a 20-year-old military wife who is seeing their husband in a new light and not wanting to give up on the marriage, or this Vietnam vet who wants to live now and wants to, you know, before that he was, 
called himself chronically homeless. He just wanted to die. Starting to see family organically happen through the internet with all of these different people. I mean, man, that that fires me up. Like, <laughs> so, so it's very fulfilling when you're doing this versus taking the CEO. It's, it's like night and day for you. It's night and day. I mean, that does it because what they do when you, when they're happy and they see their relationships different, it trickles down into the business part of it. But um, so it's, it is fulfilling. But this is my heart. Like without those that serve, we couldn't be here right now. Sure. Um, and they are, what I'm finding more and more, they are just thrown aside, thrown aside. People don't want to hear their stories. It's too difficult. It's like when someone dies, how you don't really know how to act around them. Right. That's the closest thing I can think of is what a lot of service um, veterans feel. And I was in an accident and I have severe brain trauma. So I understand a little bit about that TBI. I'm like, oh my gosh, I know what my son's feeling now. That rage and that anger that he has no clue where it's coming from. Or, you know, I don't know if you have deal with any of that kind of stuff at all. But I understand a little bit. Just a smidge of it. And if I can give a perspective of it for the community. So you, you are a relationship coach. And before my next question, I kind of want you to expand on that. What's that actually mean and do you coach veterans or other people or how does because your team rock that's one part of your many yeah. many facets <laughs> uh, so team rock was a name someone gave me and it just stuck okay because uh, my last name's Rocco when I create these you know these environments but really the relationship part of it is developing that relationship with yourself so you can have relationships outside of yourself because so much in this world um, we take our own self-worth as what all the external factors say. Well, what when those all those external factors are ripped away from you? You're no longer a husband. You're no longer a Marine. You're no longer a CEO. You're, you know, all of those things that define us, what happens when those are gone? Who are you? Right. Um, so if we can start there, man, you can understand when that husband comes home and they're different because they've seen things that we're never going to see. They've experienced things that they've never, you know, normally normal people experience. You're a, you're a little less, you're forgiving. Your ego gets put aside. I talk a lot about ego and you can see them for who they are and not react for the circumstances that is in that moment. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, on that note, in doing the podcast and just being a guy myself and a veteran, you know, one of the things that I come across a whole lot is, I don't, and I don't know why this is, mm -hmm. and I'm not asking for free coaching, but maybe I kind of <laughs> am. I'll give it to you. Okay, okay. <laughs> it just comes, <laughs> whether you want it or not. <laughs> why is it for me, and I like to think of myself as a pretty, you know, personal person who can interact with different kinds of people, but why at the end of the day am I more comfortable around other vets, no matter which branch they served in or what they did, than around a people, a group of civilians. Yeah. I don't know if that's a flaw or a problem, but it's just the way it is. That, I think, is across the board. I mean, I think that it is because you are, you are trained and reprogrammed so well. You have to be. Right. You can do what you did. So you are this very elite, it's almost like a superhero, right? You can't, it, that's, I mean, I'm very visual, so okay. this is how I go. Right. I could never relate to someone who can fly. 
Never. I could never do it. And they, and um, so that's how it is. I think it's, you, this is what I think it has to be. You have to, I'm not telling you what to do, but with, you can realize that it is not a flaw. It is a gift. Um, it doesn't make you not normal or strange in any ways. It just is the way it is. Like, and that's okay. Because I relate more to people that have like TBI or traumatic brain injury than I do a normal person. Okay. Because they understand my thought process is different. How you were trained, your thought process is very different. You were trained to look at things very differently. And, it's, and I feel it's, it becomes embedded in who you are. And it's a gift. So I think if we just realize that it's okay, I'm not really, it's okay that I don't fully feel comfortable or, you know, that bond with people that haven't served. Because I know for sure I don't feel... Like, if you have brain damage, I'm like, yes, you get me. Hands down. And that just has come in the last five years of my life. So that goes back to your point of really accepting who you are first mm -hmm. before you go out and try to interact with anybody else. Yeah. And we shouldn't feel weird for being who we are. Exactly. Okay. Because it's a cool thing. It's a cool thing. It was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I'm so glad that I went through it. And, you know, my, my time in the Marine Corps was, you know, relatively short, but I, I got so much out of it. Mm -hmm. It influences things that I do 20 years later and, you know, allows me to go after things that I wouldn't try otherwise. Yeah. And, and when I meet other Marines, it's like we're bros from, mm -hmm. from day one. It's, it's a really special feeling. So on the relationship front, um, in my personal life, and a lot of guys I talk to, uh, and I get messages from guys going through this, I, I don't know what it is, but divorce really seems to mess over military guys a lot worse than civilians. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, whenever a military fellow brother gets divorced, whether he's a Marine, Army, whatever, and whether he's in or out, it's, it's usually bad, and it's usually a real blow to the ego. Um, you're not protecting anybody anymore, your self-worth is shot, and you find out this is, this is an objective you can't circumvent. Right. And it has very dire effects on people, and I'm gonna stop there first, let you speak to that, and then I'll, I'll go with the second part of my question. Yeah. So that's what my book was about. It was strengthening the family unit um, because I think that has, um, to speak on what you were saying, that has a tremendous effect of depression and the suicide rate and just your overall thinking. And it does hit you harder because you're here to protect and honor and serve. And when you take that person that you have for the rest of your life said you're going to protect and honor and serve and they're not there anymore, it does hit you harder than anybody else. And so part of my mission is helping on the spouse's side. Um, because one, I found that a lot of people get married very, very young for whatever reason. It's it's oh the God. culture of it. I, my my son, that's why he wouldn't date. He was just like, I'm I'm I don't even know who I am right now, and I don't want to go through it. 
what all of his friends did. They were getting married to people they didn't know. To get out of the barracks, there's a bunch of different right. reasons. Right, no, no, no. Um, and some of them are high school sweethearts, and that's how it happened. But you are a child. You were, and so if I can help these young ladies understand a little bit um, about relationships, about how the man that's coming home might not outwardly seem like the man that you married, but he's in there. And you have to be that supportive system. You can't let your ego get in control and be like, you've left me. And these are the story I, I, I like no, listen no. to it. Every, you know, um, they feel alone. And so they take it out on you. I'm just going to say you, but you know, I'm not, but they take it out on their husband who's been away serving. They don't see that they're out there doing that for them. They're, but they're so self-consumed because they're so young. Um, and so I teach by listen, by using other military stories. I teach by teaching them how to let go of their ego so they can re be receptive of that man. So that when that man comes home and he's angry, they're not angry at you. You know, look at who you're talking to. Right. You know, understand the circumstances. Get outside yourself a little bit. Because, um, you know, when you're young, there's a lot of selfishness that goes on. I was there. I mean, uh, I got divorced twice, but I'm remarried for the third time. It took me a long time to understand it. So I'm not speaking from uh, this high power. I'm speaking from my own ego talking here right. and what I went through. And then um, now being into really invested into this military world and listening to the wife's talk and listening to the husband's talk. Um, and giving them tools, whether they use them or not, there's no right or wrong. It's just really understanding that your man is in there or your female or whoever, you know, your, your husband or wife is in there, but you've got to let go of your ego so that you can really have that bond. So this is a very interesting segue to the second half of my question. You know, I went through a painful divorce, uh, don't want to get into it all right now, but one of the things that I'm noticing about myself and a couple of my friends have said is like you have erected this perimeter around your heart and psyche to where you're not really willing to let someone in. Mm -hmm. And I'm not the only guy who's done this. I'm running with a lot of buddies of mine. We're all the same way. We, we're so comfortable being alone now and by ourselves and taking care of ourselves that really going down that road again for the second or third time is just not something we want to do. And I've been told it's a huge flaw in my life. I've been told that you know I, I have something wrong with me that lacks the ability to let somebody in. I'm like, well, I don't think that's the case. I think I processed pain differently and I'm still maybe hurting a little bit, maybe. Or, you know, I started working on me and I'm to the point now where I'm really starting to see me come to light. I don't know what that is, and I don't know if it's a problem. Well, I don't think, I like none of us are, are, are broken. None of us have um, forever, right? We go through these challenges to get on the other side. So when okay. we choose to stay in the challenge, then you're just choosing, it's a choice, right? You're, you're choosing your own misery, but, um, once you start working on you and understand and loving who you are, that there is nothing wrong. If someone ever says to you that that's a problem in your life, well, who says? Who gives them the right to say that? Are they God? No, no. So I always say when someone tells me that I have this wrong with me or that wrong with me, then I'm like, 
you're playing a very dangerous game there. You know, but forces, when we have, like, if you have a pain and you don't want to feel that pain, you're creating a force within yourself. So all you have to do, it seems so simple, but it's so hard, is just let go of that force. You will be able to, you're going to survive no matter what. And I want to get this because like now my, my head's going like a thousand different things I want to say and I'll be very clear about this. How you love now, there's no right or wrong to it. How you love now is how you love. And you're only going to love as much as you love yourself. So if it looks different than what the normal person considers love to be, that's just because you're an individual, right? We're not all supposed to love in this way. And what I think we do, and this is my own opinion, is we think, okay, I need to love you in this way, and you need to respond back to me in this way, and now we have sure. the perfect this relationship. And, um, and I find the military is just everything on steroids, right? The, that's how I see it. So like, we can learn so much when we just like learn from what a military person goes through or military life in general. You're going to love a whole hell of a lot differently than maybe you loved way back when that first time. It's going to look different. And you might never feel that like deep first time love that you did before you served before years ago. But that's okay because you're not that person anymore. So that feeling of how you let people in is going to look completely different. So for me in my visual world, where before it was like these, um, like it was translucent, right? Your love was just, it was just so easy. Now it's just a little bit more cloudy, you know? And so it's a little slower. It's not as open. But that doesn't mean you don't love the person. That doesn't mean you don't love. It just means it looks different than you're used to and most people are used to. And that's what people have to understand, is that um, like the way I love now is much different than the way I loved before my brain injury. Much different. Gotcha. Well, for me, I can understand where you're coming from because once I learned to really you know, embrace myself again and enjoy life on, on the terms that I had, uh, things got a lot better. My outlook changed. I started you know, doing this podcast and other things, and I'm like, oh my God, you know, this, this is really a great place to be. I feel really good about myself, and I'm not, it's not that I'm not open to a relationship or anything like that. It's just, you gotta, you gotta earn it from me. Right. And a lot of, a lot of my brothers are the same way. And, but I think that's the way it's supposed to be. Okay. We don't, we're not supposed to give our love to every single person here. Our love is our gift. We're respectful, we're kind, we're open to develop it, but uh, you gotta, I feel the same way. You have to earn that. Like, I am open to everybody and anything. Now, that does not mean that I'm gonna tell you my deepest, darkest secrets. And I'm, you, you right, know what I'm right, saying? Right. That's gonna take time. That is going to, and if somebody's not worth um, they don't want to work for it, well, shame on them, then they're not worth you. True. You know, standards are supposed to be high, and I think it, nowadays standards are very low. It's, it's very easy. It's, it's quick. You know, everything's a quick fix. Well, so is love, and so is, like, getting it on and stuff. So it is awkward for somebody to be like, no, like, my son is going to be 26. 
He feels oh. the same way. He's like, I'm not just going to go out and date and, and, and sleep around and do all of this. He's like, because he values who he is and he doesn't want to waste his time, frankly. Yeah, no, it's a huge um, expenditure of energy. Speaking of energy, because I, you know, I went back and, and watched a lot of things on your website. Folks, her website is, is amazing. Uh, some of the things that she's done in the past 5, 10, 15 years. But the one thing that I noticed is you're an energy person. Even watching some of the YouTube clips or the one where you're in New Hampshire, you know, reading your, well, it sounded like a poem. That was energy you were putting out. So I'm like, if you're putting out all this energy all the time, how do you, to other people, to help them out, how do you take care of you to do that? Because I think we can learn a lot from that. I think a lot of people go all the time and don't take time for themselves and get burnt out. Yeah. That took me a lot of time because a lot of my value used to be on how much I could produce and then I would like not listen to my body and you know, things like that. So I have let, I think it's our, yeah. This is my gift from God. He, so I believe in God. And, no problem, I do too. Okay, good. I'm just putting out there. No, no problem. I always tell people when I'm like talking, if you don't believe, Either plug your ears or just change the word. I don't care, but this is this is who I am. No problem. Um, that this is my this is my gift. I am made in His eyes. So how dare I not treat it as I would treat Him, right? Um, number one, which means that now when I travel, I give myself a day of rest afterwards, which used to kill me. But I need it. I need it now that my body is different. Um, I don't like junk food and things like that. I'm going to get really like specific here. I eat it now every now and then, but I don't consume my body with it because that's not what my body was meant to have in it. Um, And if I do, then I get tired and I'm sluggish. And then how am I going to serve if I can't even get up in the morning? You know, I used to love going to the gym, but since my accident, it hurts me so much, but I do it because how dare I give myself that excuse just because I was injured and it causes me pain that I'm not going to cherish what he gave me. You gotta gotta practice what you preach. Preach. I believe in God and I believe the gifts that he has and I'm here to receive all of his abundance. Well, I can't take care of the one thing that he's put me in charge of? (laughs) Right, how am I gonna take care of all the other abundance that's out there waiting for me if I can't do that one simple thing but it's so hard to be honest because I don't feel like it all the time touche but I feel it's my responsibility like it's my responsibility to be kind it's my responsibility to do this um, to serve it's my responsibility to do that to myself first which is very difficult but you cannot be happy and miserable at the same time you can't no no Um, you know that's you know like I was saying I'm in this really different place now and I was miserable. I was in the valley of the shadow of death, yeah. and I'm like, this. Is, I, I wasn't suicidal. I wasn't, you know, to that level. I, I know guys who were, but eventually, you know, long story. I'm here now. I'm like, I really like being here. Yeah. How do I stay here? Yeah. And I, I take care of me. I, I, you know, take care of my body in my way. I, I fuel right, fit to fight the whole nine yards, and. To your point, the more I'm receptive, mm-hmm. the more that happens. Yeah. 
So it's, it's really an amazing place to be. It is, and it sounds quirky or whatever you want to do it, but like, I mean, I embed myself with like positive stuff because there are times, and I have to tell you, with this, like there have been times where I wanted to die, especially with this brain damage where my life was ripped from me. You know, you if talked you don't, about don't it. Mind, what, yeah. what happened around that? I was in a car accident. Uh -huh. I was having neck pain, just like, you know, I was like, oh, I must have slept wrong, I'm stressed, I don't know. And I was driving home and I passed out, never passed out in my life. And I went into the woods, I ended up sideways in a tree, the engine here. They, I remember, like when they said you had a near-death experience, like I remember that, not right away, it took me weeks to actually come, like all of a sudden it hit me. Right. Um, but they, um, they said I shouldn't have survived. They told my husband that and then he told me later and I was paralyzed in bed. So I was this complete athlete that I could do anything, speed dimming and all of a sudden I'm paralyzed in bed and cannot move. And my life has changed completely from that and, and I lived in such chronic pain and there was nothing anybody could do for me except for give me drugs that would just kept me then drooling and happy. My kids loved it because I said yes to everything. But I was like, I can't live in that state, you know? Um, so I had, to deal, I had to deal with the pain and there was points in that dark time where I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not what life is supposed to be. But I don't know how I crawled. I, I didn't, obviously I'm still here. Um, but every day I infuse myself, but those moments still come where I'm just like, I don't want to do this. And they said that's kind of like your brain, you get angry, you must have some of your fellow, you yeah, know, yeah. they get very angry, they get very, very depressed and in those moments, it's like you're living in a different body. You know that's not reality. I know I don't want to kill myself. I know I'm not this, like, I'm not feeling all this sorrow. So it's almost like I'm here, but I'm feeling this and it's so real. So I infuse myself with like Wayne Dyer, like whatever it is that like, they're just positive YouTube, easy to get my hands on. I have my phone all the time and I just listen to it. And I might not believe it and I might still feel that way, but it's really hard to want to kill yourself when you are listening to someone tell you how great the world is and how abundant it is and they're giving you these tools. Somebody that you resonate with, you know? Sure, sure. Um, and so that's what I do. That's what I do. And eventually it comes out and my consciousness takes over my subconsciousness and I'm like okay I know I feel crazy right now and sometimes I'll tell my husband you don't want to talk to me because I'm crazy or he's like all right let me back up the bus now but he knows how to handle me differently you know he knows that this isn't me talking this isn't me feeling this way it's just how I feel in this exact moment and it's so real and that's one of the things I actually talk with the wives because I feel like it's a lot of how the guys that I talk to, the, the men, the veterans, that's how they feel. Like, it's just their reality, even though it's not the reality they want. Right. So it is reality for some people, and you've been successful. What do you think, you're, you're, a, veteran, you're a mom of a veteran, you're a mom to several other people who have served, what do you think is needed for us to be successful? And I'm not talking about financial success. Yeah. I'm talking about relationship and success within in our lives, in our in our perspective about ourselves. Yeah. Um, we're gonna fail a whole hell of a lot. Ooh. We're gonna. That's fail. hard, Danielle. It is hard. I don't deal with failure that well. But that failure. So I'm like failure. That word to me, it is so 
amazing. It's as much as the word success, because if you don't fail, how are you going to level up into that next level that you're supposed to That's learn? That's the from? hard part. <laughs> I know. Uh, like, like there's stuff about this that we're doing right now mm -hmm. that I didn't learn until I, oh my God, I completely messed that up. Yeah. So I, I get it, but I'm like, I was mad at myself for messing up. Right. And it's okay to be mad at yourself. You can be, if, you, if you're not mad at yourself and recognize that, then you're not going to learn from it. Right? So if you just be like, oh, I failed, la-ti-da, let me move on, you're missing the whole point. With that pain becomes greatness. With that uncertainty, oh my God, I'm so, how could I have fallen for that again? Or how could I have like, like, that was the stupidest thing that came out of my mouth, whatever it is, right? If you don't recognize it and feel bad about it, it's not gonna create an indent in your life so that you don't do it again, or you don't do it as much again. Right. So we have to, we, but we can't sit in it. We gotta let that kind of come in and come out. But it's really, really hard. Like, I know, I'll give you an example. Do I have time to give you an Absolutely. example? Absolutely, okay. we're on your time. So I, okay, so I, my father was a very abusive man. Not not physically, but mentally. He, he would love me one minute and the next minute he'd be like saying, you're so stupid, good thing you're pretty, you know? And I'm running his company and he has no idea what his company does, you know? like. Um, but I was a good Italian daughter. And this is what I was meant to do, take care of my father, take over his business, to take over so he can retire and live this happy life. But I was used to this kind of relationship with him and this relationship with men, right? Be nice, but kind of talk crap about you. So I meet somebody on a business standpoint, this isn't like, we weren't like, I wasn't attracted to him in a sexual or romantic way, but his demeanor, I recognized. I'm like, oh my God, I feel so comfortable. I'm gonna do this podcast with you. And we started doing it, and then all of a sudden, I was like, I don't feel so good about this relationship. He was doing what my father always did, but it was so familiar to me, oh, wow. right? And then it went on for two months, and that third month, I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I know now what happened. I was attracted to his energy, because it was an energy I've known my whole entire life. And I'm like, how could I have made this mistake again? I spent 23 years in that, left, my father and I are no longer in business together or even have a relationship. I know what that's like. How could I have fallen for the same type of man and gotten to a business deal with him? I was so mad at myself, like to the point I was sick and I took it on as, as it was my fault. And then that lasted a very short time because I just said to myself, you recognized it you got out of it, it's okay to make mistakes, we're human. That doesn't mean that I wasn't feeling yucky inside and like kicking myself and being angry with myself. I just didn't let myself sit there. I just kept telling myself, you're human. You're going to make a mistake. You recognized it and you got out before 23 years. It was only three months, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But, it was, but to me, it was re that was really hard. I was really upset with myself, really mad. It doesn't help that they aren't weren't they didn't they didn't want me to leave, so they weren't nice about it. But but it was but again, you can't be grateful and happy at the same time as being pissed off. So when I or or angry. So if I tell myself these grateful things, even though emotionally I'm feeling yucky, one of them's gonna win. It's how much, you know, so I just had to tell myself more and more, it's not your fault. You recognized it. 
you're learning from this. The next time it happens, it'll be even quicker, you know, that you turn it around. So you, you own the situation, but you don't let it permeate or become this immersed in it. Right. Okay. But I mean, but not for a long period of time. Gotcha. Gotcha. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, your website and, and, and interviews and you're, you're doing this, you're doing that. You have a book out. What's the name of the book and where can people get it? It's Devoted to a Soldier. Right. Strengthening the Family Unit. It's on Amazon. Okay, Amazon. Yep. I'm the only Danny Rocco, D-A-N-I there'll be, a, there'll be a link to the book in the blog post for the podcast, folks, so you have no excuse. No excuse. And I make it so simple, that is the name of the documentary and the event that we do. So we do an event around the documentary. Oh, really? It's all the same. Devoted to a soldier. Awesome. Now, what's the event entail? So we do it, um, we bring in a panel of professionals, and it depends on what we're doing. So the one upcoming is a music festival. So we're doing, bringing in professionals um, that have used the arts, whether it's athletics or music or drawing, to help them through their, their transition from active duty to veteran. Um, so we have a panel part of it. We are having a bunch of veteran bands and Johnny Cash's grandson, Thomas Gabriel, will be playing. Sounds just like him. If you close really? your eyes, you're back in time. Um, so he's got a cool story. He was a police officer. He's got his own cool story. Um, but, and then we do it always at the VFW because I want to bring light back into the VFW. I don't know, what is your opinion about the VFW? Oh boy. You want to know? I do want to okay, know. Okay, so. Because there's so many opinions. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk anecdotally from personal experience. Mm -hmm. When I got out, I went to the VFW in my town. I walked in, there were guys as old as my father there. Uh, they asked me, did you serve overseas? I said, no. Did you serve in combat? I said, no. Um, and the interest went away. And they made it very clear that I could come here and have a beer if I wanted to, but better if I just went to the American Legion. And so I, I left. I'm, I'm not going to go where I'm not welcome. Right. And what's happened now is I have those same gentlemen who are 20 years older saying, hey, can you come out and do your show here? Can you please get the word out? I'm like, you guys rejected a lot of us from the 90s. Yeah. We weren't good enough for you then. We didn't serve overseas. We did serve, and you didn't want us. Even as auxiliary members, why should I do that? And what's happened is, is social media has flattened everything. A lot of us in that space, we get on Facebook or Instagram, we all you know link up and we do things together that way. We don't need to go to a static building and do that. So they have to really figure out what they want to do as an organization and make some wholesale changes, or they're gonna they're gonna die out. Yeah, and and that's sad to me. It's, it is. It's it's very sad. So I get that, like where the older guys were trained, they were trained. Well, if you weren't in combat, then it doesn't matter, right? Yep. And they reject. And then I I've heard like the younger guys, they don't want to go there because it's just a bunch of old crabby old, old guys. Um, so what I found in doing my little, book, but that community that you guys are all wanting is all there. True. You've just created again this force against each other. So. The VFWs that I always say, God will provide the people that are supposed to be in my life 
whether it's one, 500, 1,000, it doesn't matter. The right people will show up to hear exactly what you need to. So like when we were in Spokane, Washington, we were, we were at a VFW and it was great. And we helped bring in the younger and the older, and now they are working together. So if I can break the bridges in all the cities that I go in, right? It's not just me, it's like my whole entire team. So when I say I, I'm talking about we, maybe I should just talk like we. But um, it might be one little thing that saves one person, right? So if I, change, if I can help open up a couple eyes in Washington, help open a couple eyes in New Bern, and maybe I, that's going to help one person. Okay, my, it's done. Because we shouldn't, within the, our own military community, be fighting against each other because of our own egos. You are correct. You're, you're absolutely correct. You're not saying anything I can't disagree with, right? Uh, and so, to that end, there's some stuff going on at the Whitman VFW that is coming down the pike that's a very different thing for me. And I opened myself up to that opportunity because the the ask was authentic. Mm-hmm. And and like you, uh, I totally get this. I just want one. Yeah. I don't care if I do a million of these live cast pot, whatever you want to call them. I just want one. Yeah. So yeah. what is next for you? Uh, is, is it promoting the book and documentary and doing these events? Is it creating a, you know your own brand additional content? What's what's next for Danielle? It, you know, I just had this conversation in this morning. Before, oh, wow. So you're hitting it. It's really, I've um, strategically placed myself, you know, I still do my coaching. You know, it's all over the phone. I still do that and I will always do that. But it is, um, the book is a resource. It is, it's actually a workbook. So it has stores and then there's workbooks and tools that you can use. So it's... Um, and the documentary is basically veterans giving veterans the voice to leave other veterans behind them through stories of their own. Um, so it's really just building that. I want to create a table. I come from an Italian family, right? So we make family dinners and this big tip. I want to create a table that has no has no boundaries. That has nothing to do with me. It just kind of happens where we meet and and it, and it and like remember how you said like someone said I referred you to someone else to refer you right. to someone else that's exactly it so it might not be my documentary or my book or my workshop that they go to or my coaching but it might be somebody that knows somebody that heard me that now is going to open up their voice to tell somebody else of something else that they know out there so really it's just the ripple effect of what I'm doing and the energy just to get people fired up about life and move, move, just move. Whatever it is that makes you move, just do it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, I want to say thank you to my sponsors who support me and veterans to make this podcast happen. I think it's amazing. You're going to have the link to her book and to her website and the blog post. Check that out. It's inspiring. And that's the thing I want to tell you before we close down, Danielle. I'm, I'm, I'm watching your video clips and your interviews, and I'm like, I think I'm on the right path because I feel inspired. Just your work kind of cemented that I'm in the right place. And I just had these questions because a lot of other guys and I sit around and talk about relationships and why certain things are harder for us than others. 
So I believe there's value there. And I just think that the whole Oscar my thing is what you said, it's on the move. Yeah. You're, you're moving toward the objective. And as you continue this mission, I'm very interested to see where you're gonna go. You're welcome back on this anytime you want to. And I'm looking forward love to it. seeing what's going on next. I would love it. Again, I love these open discussions. That's how we change, we create change, right? By stepping out and being like, hey, this is all I got. I don't know if it's good or not, and it doesn't matter, but this is my heart, so take it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. No, that's half of it, right? She's putting herself out there. So this is number um, 167, Shutting Down. Uh, had a great time with Danielle Rocco. Uh, you can find out more on her website. What is your website? It is Danny Rocco. Danny Rocco. Danny Rocco. And then my... Sounds like a boxer. I know. Don't I sound so tough? Like, yeah. people look up and like, oh, it's just a blonde chick, right? Um, and then Devoted to a Soldier has all of our events, our upcoming events that, you know, if you're in the area or know somebody, come. They're, like, free to veterans and military and, like, 10 bucks usually or 5 bucks for, you know, non. They're nothing. Look, if you guys can go around and buy some beer, you can, you know, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it has been a pleasure having you on uh, the show. I look forward to seeing you're doing it again, and you've certainly inspired me. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. We're on the move. Lock through lunch. We are out. <laughs>